there is balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in Of David, to you, O Lord, I lift my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness, for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Psalm 25 in the ESV. Hello, Grant. Hello, Brian. How are you uh, this fine evening? I'm doing well. We had a uh, we had a kind of a Christmas um, slash housewarming party. Uh, we invited some friends nice. and uh, and I got to hang out with uh, with Chris Seahorn again. I hadn't seen him awesome in a little bit. And so, uh, what's was, up, Chris? He, he's not here anymore. He went home. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I was I was talking like future. Oh, yeah. For hey, the Chris, respond to that when you hear it hey. in Slack. Um, was was Karen there too, or no? Just... No, she couldn't make it. Okay. We did invite her, okay. but well, she couldn't make it. Uh, Bummer. Yeah. 
Um, we were also at a uh, Christmas-themed event at a friend's house, which I, uh, silly, silly me, I thought that it would work to record uh, right after that particular event. But our party went long um, into the evening, which, you know, is to be expected by any normal human being. Uh, and so th- thank you for uh, transitioning our time. <laughs> yeah. It's actually so, fine. It's, it, it worked out really well because I wasn't 100% ready last night. I was going to wing some stuff, but uh, I think the extra day is going to be good. Uh, which, uh, that's going to put this release on a Tuesday instead of a Monday. Um, it's my fault. Which is that fine. That was my first point of follow-up. Is My um, wife wants to make sure that it sh- everybody knows it's my fault. And uh, Yeah, which is fine. But it's probably going to be my fault that I think probably all future episodes will probably be releasing on Tuesdays. I think that'll give us what? Yeah. I meant to talk to you about this ahead of time, but then I forgot. Um, well, we're talking about it now. We're talking about it now. I mean, this is good. It is. It is good. It's good to, to get these things out in the open before we air them. Um, <laughs> so, uh, trying to get everything edited on, uh, on Sundays has been a little bit, uh, stress inducing at my house. And so, Oh, I think, we will all be happier campers if we try to do a Tuesday release instead of a Monday release. And this will, this will allow for more consistency for weekends like this weekend. So if we new release that, Tuesday, new as, release as they Tuesday. say. So all right. from here on out, well, Tuesdays, here we go. Tuesdays is it. We'll still try all to right. have it in your, I like it. So we'll try to have it uploaded by 4 or 4.30 in the morning so that you wake up and it's there. Unless you're like That's me, the idea. you wake up at four fifteen, and it's not there. Unless yet. I make a mistake, and then you download the wrong version, and then I upload later on the right version. That's true. But then you still have the old version. Oh boy, sorry about that, everyone. That's nah, fine. It's uh, the people who who slacked got the episode correctly. That Excellent. Was a double entendre as well. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Slack and double entendre, you should join us at slack.techreformation.com or techreformation.slack.com. I don't remember. Whatever it is, we have it linked. Slack.techreformation.com. What can they do there, Brian? They can talk to you and they can talk to me. Or you. And they can talk to Jim Briggs, who is still alive, by the way. Oh, goodness. I was a little worried after listening to the lightest form of flogging. Yes. Speaking of the lightest form of flogging. Um, so last episode we had Jim from the LFOF here on the show. And uh, and we had, we had a lot of fun. Uh, and I hope to do more with him and even possibly David in the future. Um, yeah. But if you follow the lightest form of flogging, you will know that their immediate following episode, they had a pretty long discussion about this episode. So, if you have not listened to that, I do recommend going and listening to it. It's called something like Punch the Evil Person in the Jaw or something. You'll find it. They have weird titles. They do. Uh, Smite the Wicked in the Face. I don't know. And uh, and they also have one called The Podfather, which is the one that came out yesterday, where they had some more follow-up about our last episode. And... Actually, I guess technically we had this episode, they had an episode, and then we all went to Slack like we were supposed to. And we talked about (laughs) 
that episode. And then they had the Podfather where they talked about what we talked about on Slack. And so here we are on episode 25 of the Bomb and Gilead, Oh Come Let Us Adore Him, and we are going to have further follow-up. And so to follow all the follow-up, do what I just said, and you will be caught up. Um, yes. So if, um, episode yeah. The episodes you were talking about there, episode 118 of The Lightest Form of Flocking, Punch the Wicked in the Jaw, uh, which released December 5th of 2020. And then The Podfather was the most recent one, uh, December 12, 2020. Yes. So. And uh, so David and I, we it's mostly just me and David talking to each other over various platforms. Um, David holds to the exclusive psalmody. I uh, do not. And um, one of the things that I said uh, that kind of got a lot of this started, I, I basically said that all... Um, metric psalters to a degree are a paraphrase. Um, and I, I wanted to first and foremost say that to me, I think that paraphrases are a very good thing. I think that a solemn paraphrase is, um, is a very good route to go when you're trying to find a song to sing for worship. And so for me to say that a metric psalm is a paraphrase is not an insult nor is it saying it's not an actual psalm. Um, what I wanted to say, and, and again, I, and I mentioned this before, we are planning a full episode on paraphrase and translation and um, some other uh, subjects similar to that. Not on the following episode, but probably on the following episode of that. So this is episode 25. It'll probably be episode 27 that we have our paraphrase episode. And so I'm not going to get into too much, but I did want to mark say, your calendars, mark your calendars. It'll be probably a month from whenever you're finding this and um, on a Tuesday and on a Tuesday. And yeah, so it'd be like a February, a February month, not the month of February, but four weeks. Um, I'm just, I'm just now confusing you for no reason <laughs> for, my own, for my own benefit. Um, we got some exciting things in the works though. And, uh, so I, maybe, maybe what we're trying to say is we're very excited about the next couple of episodes and hope you'll stick around. Yes, we do. And so discuss them on Slack. Um, and so in a nutshell for, as far as paraphrase versus translation, um, there is an art to poetry translation. Like if you were to find an English, version of uh, Dante's Inferno that is a translation of poetry and sometimes these translations will follow the same poetic meter and the rhyme scheme that Dante invented for that but it doesn't have to do that a good paraphrase a good translation rather will do that it will uh, keep as many of the elements the same as possible and just translate the words but not just word for word it will translate into a new into the same meter it'll translate in a, such a way to where you get the same feel of the of the poem where the emotional connection is as close to the original as possible and, it, and it's an art form in and of itself um mm. any english mm-hmm. poems by um Naruto would be another thing he he wrote in spanish and so pablo Naruto and uh there's a lot of you could find his poems in english well they were translated they're still attributed to Pablo Neruda most of the time, but it'll also have the translator 
Uh, and the translator did just as much of the work as Pablo Neruda because they had to write in English without losing the poeticness of it and uh, or the poetry, if you will. Um, and so when we look at the at these psalms, the psalms are ancient Hebrew poetry written for a very specific group of people primarily. And when we translate them into English, um, we are translating them into uh, to a different audience, to a different language, to different poetic devices, and um, in different ways to emphasize different things. And so there's different devices that will eventually come up with the same um, emotional connection. And to do it well, you it's more than just a word-for-word translation. It's more than just trying to figure out what does the scripture say. It's also how do the emotions get captured? How do we have a full? Um, how do we have a full um, connection that was intended? And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that the Scottish metrical psalter failed to do this. I've I've never read the Scottish metrical psalter. Um, it's available for free on the App Store, on the I should say on the the iPhone App Store. And I may look into that. And uh, so, uh, and so, I, I wanted to say I, I'm not like trying to downplay anyone's work. I, I've, I've not done an, I've not done the necessary research to make any sort of claim like that. I did want to say though that um, that translating poetry is way more intensive than just getting the word for word. And so to translate the Bible, to translate the Psalms as scripture would be tremendously easier than translating the uh, Psalms as poetry. And, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and especially as song lyrics, because musical style is, is another component that um, ancient Hebrew music was very different than the modern American music. And this goes into what we talked about many, 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 many episodes ago. I will let you do the dumpster diving to try to find that if you so wish, um, where we talked about, um, um, ethnodoxology, which was my minor in a seminary, which is the art of translating music, not necessarily translating music, but, uh, for missionaries and ethnomusicologists to, enter into a new culture to do the research into what their musical style is and to create new music for that culture in that context. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's very interesting. It was, it's, I, I really enjoyed those classes, but to just take these Psalms and translating them into English and putting them to a tune, um, is kind of like translating just as I am into Swahili, which wasn't the worst thing to do, but it wasn't necessarily the best. Um, so as I said, again, I'm not trying to downplay any of the Psalters, any, anything like that. I've, I've not done the research necessary to know what was a good translation, what wasn't, but I just want to talk about that. Um, David also mentioned, uh, difficult songs and how there's not any, hymns that he can think of, or there's very, very few hymns he can think of that really uh, tackle the difficult topics of the Psalms, such as um, punching the wicked in the jaw, which is why that was the title of his episode. And to that, I just want to say, 
that um, this is why I believe that the Bible says to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sometimes we don't have a better song to sing than the psalms. Uh, and I would argue that um, most of the time, the best song to sing is a psalm um, for any given context, and that the church should be singing more psalms. I am definitely there uh, uh, as far as if I was choosing music again for a church, I would be in, I would be introducing as many new psalms as I could. But those psalms I would be introducing would be paraphrases and would be set to more modern musical styles. Um, and that is what we will be talking about in episode 28 or 29. Um, Woohoo! I think 29, I think is what I have, unless one of our series go on pretty long, which I might. Um, I was kind of planning <laughs> yeah, on the... We know what happened last time we tried to plan everything out. I was planning on the <laughs> paraphrase and translation episode probably taking up two to three episodes, but I feel like we've done so much of this prep, pre-spoiler... Uh, follow out conversation on it that it, it we may be able to condense everything else into just a single episode. Um, ah, okay. We'll, we'll see. Cool. Um, so yeah. So the difficult songs, if we can't, if you can't find a hymn that will cover your difficult song, sing a psalm. like by all means, Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Yeah. David in the most recent lightest form of flogging did mention, I came up with a couple of them, but I will tell you it was difficult. And the ones that I found, by and large, I I hadn't sung um, much of. Uh, I, I know there was one that specifically uh, talked to exactly what he was talking about, but it was like an 80s praise song that found its way into the celebration hymnal that I happen to have. Um, anyway, just some brief follow-up. Difficult songs are difficult to find. Yes, they are. But there's 150 perfectly good songs right in the middle of your Bible. Turn we, there. And we should not ignore Won't them. You? Yes. You know, I think, by, exactly I think right. by episode 150, you and I might be EP. Who knows? Um, <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, speaking of, uh, of that, um, I just want to make sure everybody knows that uh, I am a big fan of Redemption Church here in Oklahoma, where we attend and are, in fact, members of. And hopefully that was clear, but I just want to make sure that wasn't misunderstood. And yeah, that's yeah. what I wanted to say about that. Yeah, you say you say about that. Yeah, that's that's what I had to say about that. You say, I mean, number one again, right? No, this isn't news. What? All right, fellow. What did you say, fellow Bombcast listeners who have been faithfully? waiting and striving for the next update on the Lauren Daigle saga, waiting week after week for the past over a year of us saying, hey, guess what song was number one? It was You Say. <laughs> well, guess what, people? It's not there anymore. What? So it's number two, then? It is number less than... It's either, it's either number less than 50 or... What? Or I guess greater than 50. It's either number greater than 50 or it's number zero. One or the other. We have not figured it out yet. Oh, um, oh, number zero, of course. It, I mean, it, it, Billboard may have read my article and decided to bump it up to number zero, but it's definitely not numbers one through 50. Um, that is for sure. I, uh, it, it's just not there. 
it's uh, it went it went away. And you know what is there now? What? Carrie Underwood Christmas music. What? So Carrie Underwood, you know, I've heard of her. She sang "Jesus Take the Wheel" and "Something in the Water," which has been number one on the Hot Christian charts as well. But Carrie Underwood created a "Something she, in the Water." Is that what makes you a Christian? I must is it be. about baptism? Mm-hmm. So is it, really? it is. Yeah, "Something in the Water" is about it's 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 from the perspective of non-church goers that are witnessing mm. a revival. And so they come to the conclusion oh. that all this change that they're seeing in these people uh, is as a result from this baptism that they received. So there just must be something in the water. I would argue is a perfectly good country music song, but yeah. not a very theologically correct um, number three type song. Um I guess technically it'd be a number three type song because she is a Christian or she claims to be. Um, but this Christmas album, it's just like a traditional, normal Christmas album. Like uh, one of the songs is, uh, is um, oh goodness, I've, I don't remember what I was going to say. Um, Christmas like, song? Like she has, you know, like traditional Christmas songs. She has some hymns. She has some like non-sacred Christmas music that's on this album, but it's okay. like the full album is 11 songs, but yet she has 12 of her Christmas songs on the list. Because, oh, so a number zero song, of course, because one of the songs is an Amazon music exclusive song. Uh, uh, that you can only find on Amazon music, but apparently everyone loves this because it is the number one song in the hot Christian charts is the Amazon exclusive okay, song favorite. That's to surprising to me. Yeah. I mean, First of all, Amazon Music's that popular? Apparently. Wow. Okay. I don't use all it right. personally. I use Spotify, which no, we'll get into in a little bit. I cannot stand Amazon Music. It's terrible. But it's probably the, anyway. the whole um, Alexa thing plays through Amazon Music. And so it's uh, probably people playing through Alexa. Yeah. We're getting rid of ours. They spy on you too much, right? But anyway. Did it turn off on you when you asked? No, no. There, there are some videos but, that people posted of saying, "Hey, Alexa, do you work for the government?" And then it would turn off. Um, but those were all faked. Oh, okay, all right. Well, that's too bad. Because I, I tried it on my parents and it didn't work. You can set up. I, I do like that you can set up um, routines on yeah. on them. We. we I have one that basically keeps our family on schedule on Sunday morning. So we get to church on time. Nice. It's very good. That, that is pretty cool. Um, My wife is trying to chime in with a uh, side comment about that. Um, that is not what keeps us on schedule. <laughs> I think anyway, something anyway. Uh, so I wanted, I wanted to mention um, that this week, which it's still on billboard. It's listed as the week of December 12th. I think probably uh, either tomorrow uh-huh. it'll update or whatever. But, um, as we are recording this, it's, uh, I checked it just before and it still has all of last week's stuff on there. Um, but, um, I'm going to declare the week of December 12th, 2020, the week that Christian music died. <laughs> Not to put too fun a point on it. 
not to put too fine a point on it. It's it's been kind of a slow death for a little bit, but the fact that in this Christmas album, it's been on the charts for two weeks. And so as we roll over into the next week, probably this evening or tomorrow, um, they're all, they're all still going to be on there. It'll be the third week in a row that this entire Christmas album, which includes a song, by the way, with John Legend, who is not, who does not, he grew up in the church. He grew up in the church, but he is, he does not claim to be a Christian. Um, he doesn't, um, I think he might have played Judas on a Jesus Christ Superstar production once, which totally Well, counts. that makes you a Christian, obviously, um, yeah. He, he played the betrayer on a not very biblically sound thing. Anyway, uh, he's also one of those that he says that if Trump wins the election, he's going to move to Europe with his girlfriend. Uh, okay. So, you know, that kind of... That kind of well, the the song's name was Hallelujah, which, which was as mentioned not, in our Slack, was makes not the it Leonard a Christian Cohen. song. Yeah, it was not the Leonard Cohen Hallelujah, thank goodness. But it is not a good song. And the lyrics, they mention Jesus. Uh, they don't mention Jesus. They mention angels. They mention, mm, I, think I think it mentions church. And it uses the words silent and night uh, juxtaposed. Which oh, obviously makes okay. it a very solid Christian song. It also has the word right, Christmas because, in it. As we know, baby Jesus had radiant beams emanating from his face. Uh, speaking of baby Jesus, one of the songs is called Sweet Baby Jesus. Oh dear. I haven't listened. I have not listened to this album. I listened to the song. Ah. I listened to the John Legend song because it was the first of the 12 songs to make it onto the list. And it was number oh, 50. Uh, at the time that it, it, it launched onto the, the chart at number 50. And now it's at number three. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, so that's, so so numbers one, two, and three in, in the hot Christian charts are all Carrie Underwood Christmas music. And then, song, well, and then song number four, though, is Pentatonix singing Amazing Grace. Uh, uh, fine Christian. Which fine is Christian a fine band Christian band. At least one of the five claims to be a Christian in the, in the oh. realm of uh, Gunger. He, they're, they're, he's closely associated oh. with Gunger. Oh. Um, oh, right. Okay. And two of the band members are openly homosexual. And uh, I don't know about one of them because they apparently swapped one of them out over the past couple of years. Because oh. I looked at the picture and I'm like, huh, that's mm. not the same different, five. I'm different person. Um, <laughs> and so... Um, so yeah, so two openly gay guys singing that saved a wretch like me uh, totally deserves to be number four on the hot Christian charts. And number five is Elevation Music. So there you go. <laughs> Rounding out the top five. Rounding out the so, top five. So uh, just to kind of close the, the, the loop on this, Lauren Daigle is not done and will be performing, you say, on the voice finale tonight. Woohoo! Tuesday. December fifteenth. Maybe maybe that'll maybe that'll push it back into the top fifty. I don't know. I'll have to well I'll have to follow up on that. Mm-hmm. Uh we'll we'll let you know. We'll let uh, you because know. we I don't know how we started caring about this, but <laughs> I, <laughs> Well, it's because okay, the song was the number one for hundred and thirteen weeks. They weren't all consecutive because at least Triple Platinum. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. At least uh, I know that there was a Kanye song that debuted at number one and stayed in that for like seven or eight weeks this time last year, um, which I think is when we kind of started to take notice. 
and mm, mm-hmm. and so for almost a solid year we've been on Daggle Watch. Um, Daggle Watch. And uh, but I hear she's got bites. <laughs> Daggle bites is her podcast, uh. and it's it's there. Um, but it's Oceans was the number one song of all time as far as the longest running in the number one slot at 61 or 62 weeks. And so, uh, this one almost doubled it. Like it almost lapped it. It, I think it definitely has to have lapped the number three song. Um, which I think might be something in the water. Actually, it's either something in the water or, um, no, hold on. It was uh, what a beautiful name. That's what it was. Uh, something in the water. It was the number four. Song or the the hell over the fourth longest time, um, and these this is from memory because that's how much I care. Um, <laughs> you you can check me on that if you want, but it's interesting that you say uh, had the longest jump up into the number one slot. So there was a week where it was number thirty three, and then the next week it was number one, and that was the longest jump into the number one slot aside from a song debuting at number one. And before the fall of you say, um, the largest drop from the number one position was a Matthew West song that dropped into the 46 position. And so this song having dropped from the number one to greater than 50 (laughs) will overthrow that. So it is a song that leapt into the position uh, from the, for the longest leap held the position for the longest time and dropped from the position, uh, the longest fall. So that's kind of fun. You say, if he's yeah, if, if you say is number one again next week, then yeah. some, everybody, then it, everyone knows that it actually went into the number zero position, especially if favorite yeah. time of year disappears and you say takes a spot, <laughs> then we can, we can be safe to say that it's actually the number zero spot. Well, all right. Uh, Stay tuned for more of this hard-hitting analysis. <laughs> yes. Only from the Balmy Gilead podcast. Because we're the only ones who care. <laughs> and now you do too, dear listener. Yes, and we will make uh, it. All right. So that was our so, follow-up. And now we're getting into the icebreaker. Oh, right. Okay. What so, do we got? Well, last year you threw this out because you are a longtime Spotify user. And I am and, Well, not. somewhat. Um, at least you've had it for many years. You might not have been the dedicated Spotify user, but you're a long time Spotify user. I think um, I've had premium since 2018, like yeah. end of 2018. And so I jumped onto the premium bandwagon, um, earlier this year. Sweet. I don't remember exactly when it was. I think it it's might like the CD club. You buy been, one a month. Yes. It kind of, and, uh, and so you spend the money on one CD a month, but you have unlimited music. Yeah, which is nice. And uh it's better than the CD club. It kind of is. So I've been listening at least for a few months now, probably closer to six months. Um, and you've been listening die hard all year. You and your children. I have. Just like the covenant. And uh um, Yes. And so some of these numbers that we're about to share are skewed, but last year you shared your uh, your wrap up with me. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And so this year I get to share my wrap up with you. And so we're going to both Yay! share our wrap ups. And this is officially a Balm and Gilead tradition. What, what, what? So we, okay. will, yes. 
If you want to share your information from your Spotify 2020 recap, please do that on Spotify. We'd love to hear it. Or on Slack because we don't follow you on Spotify. But if you What did I say? Oh Spotify. But if you share your Spotify, (laughs) then we can follow you on there and then we can know it. Or you can just follow find us on Slack or email us or snail mail us or That'd be weird. It would be. Yeah. Um there is some screenshots I printed. There is at balmcast.com is our email address if you want to share this with us. So I'm going to share with you some of my stats. So um, I discovered 230 new artists in about the last five or six months. So I thought that was pretty Oh, that's cool. not bad. Um, and Yeah, we had 2,200 new artists. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about so right. So a few. Yeah, I, I remember I shared this with you. I'm like, wow, 230, that's pretty good. And you shared yours, and it's like, okay, I'm going to go I'm gonna go play now. So you had, <laughs> you had 2,000 and how many? 2,200. 2,200, almost that's 10 what they times said. more than me. Um, how many of those were kids' music that you're, or at least music that your children were listening to? Well, you know, I, I don't know. that. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, we'll get there. I will say. There's been a change in the top artist. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to tease that here as we kind of move through. Last year, for those of you who don't remember or don't care, his was Amy Grant. We know this because her last name yeah. is sort of like Grant's first name, which was a sort running of, joke that we of. had for like five episodes and then it died. Um, <laughs> Let's get it going again. So we'll get it going again. Uh, actually, we won't because it's not Amy Grant this year. Uh, so my genres. So yeah. my top five, my top five genres. Number one was root, Roots Worship. Okay. Number two was Christian so, Music. Okay. Number three was Pop Rock. Number mm-hmm. four was Indie Singer Songwriter. Nice. And number five was Ska. Ska. Because nice. we had a night. OC Supertones. We, no, Five Iron Frenzy. We had a five, five Iron Frenzy. We had five a Five Iron Frenzy week where I introduced the pant song to my children and they listened to it over and over and over again to the point. All the way up to number where five. Where it made it to number five. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yep. Um, we listened to 719 genres this year, including 292 new ones. And we got. Number one, also Roots Worship. I'd really like to know what that means. I don't. Number two, Christian music. Boy, this looks really familiar. familiar. However, the rest are different. Scott did not break my top five, I will say. Uh, Number three was classical performance. Number four was jazz. And number five was choral. So um, I bet that number five probably had to do with Crown and Covenant. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. All right. So my top five songs, uh, and I'll, and I'm looking at this list, and it's like, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, that's my top five. Um, number one was Psalm 121 by the Corner Room. I love that song. It is. I like so Corner good. Room too. I do too. We've, yeah. We've we've talked about them quite a bit. Uh, song number two is I Rest in Your Arms. Uh, by Cardiphonia Music, which Nathan Partain, and it is a psalm, but uh, my screenshot only says Saul dot dot dot. I don't remember which one it was. Um, number three is Psalm one twenty six, featuring Molly Partain by Bifrost Arts. 
Yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, yeah. Track four was "I Was Glad When They Said to Me" by Cardiphonia Music, and that's uh, Quorum Deo Church, and that's also a psalm. And number five was Psalm one thirty four, "Bless the Lord" by the Robbie Say Band. So nice. There, you can see a very, very distinct pattern. And I think you had to get to like song number fifteen on my list before it's one of my children's songs. Um, because oh, well, that's doing better for you because they listen to they, they listen to it some, not not a ton. I'm sure that this next year, it, my list is probably gonna be a lot more convoluted. I do, I do, <laughs> do want to say this. I, I, I want to throw this out. Uh, I listen to all of my Switchfoot for my own local music because I have all of their okay. music on my phone. Like, right. Because I have some... You don't need Spotify for them. Right. I've got some like B-sides and rarities and stuff as well in, in that list nice. that's not even on Spotify. So I don't always listen to Switchfoot on Spotify. So it didn't, that's okay. it didn't make a lot of this list. So what were your top five songs? Well, number one was not an Amy Grant song, which is great. But I will say, um, my top song was a children's song. It was by Perry Grip. Mm. I love bread. So I love bread was my number one I song. Love bread. Good, yes, good job. It played a lot, but I did have um, a few more reasonable songs on the, on the actual top five. Um, I love bread. Number one, Everything's Not Awesome, also a kid's favorite. Fireflies by Owl City, which both I and my children enjoy. Um, so that was number three. Bakery theme from the Boudin Bakery in Disneyland. This is one of my wife's favorite songs, and the kids would play this quite a bit for her. Um, so I think that's why that's number four. And number five is The River by Jordan Feliz, which the kids like a lot. It has yeah. a very strong beat, you know, things like that. Number six was Twinkle Twinkle Little Star Variations. Okay. Suzuki Violin, my, my daughter is learning. So um, that's an honorable mention there. Um, but kind of the first one that's like solely mine is uh, New Hope Oahu's uh, Psalm 40, a new song, which I love that song. They, uh, I like it. This is a this is developing trend I've noticed in, in songs where they mix languages within the same song so this is sung in both hawaiian and english um there are there are bits of both and it really makes for a very interesting tapestry mm-hmm. um of of sound um but yeah new hope oahu um you know they're they are they're in oahu <laughs> oh. hence the name uh but the it's a it's not a reformed or even close to it church, but they do produce good music and their album called scripture songs is all completely based on scripture. Okay. And Psalm 40 is one of those. It's actually nice. the single off there that got played quite a bit. Nice. So yeah, very cool. Very cool. All right. Uh, my kind of next big thing that popped up on mine was um, I listened to the song, bring you home by the dailies before mm-hmm. it had 50,000 streams. Um, oh, nice. So You're a pioneer. I am a pioneer. Uh, the dailies, they, they, it's a... Uh, I love them, yeah. They're, they're fantastic. It's a, uh, it's Ellie Holcomb uh, and 
uh, Jillian Edwards. Uh, they did a collaborative project this year. They were it's only three songs. Hopefully, they will be doing a whole lot more because I all so three of those songs are like my three favorite songs of this year. Uh, yeah, they're going. Yeah, they're really good. Um, Definitely listen to them. Yeah. So we will. I'll, I'll link that that particular EP into our show notes because it is fantastic. It's, I, I don't know what, uh, denomination these two ladies are, but I think they might both be Presbyterian. And the reason I think that is because, because you like them because I like them. No. Um, (laughs) I know that people that they associate with are, Uh and so, um, Ellie Holcomb associates with Sandra McCracken, who might uh-huh. be PC USA, but that's still Presbyterian kind of. Um, <laughs> but and and I've heard that the Chapmans, the Stephen Curtis Chapman, mm-hmm. Julian Edwards mm-hmm. is Stephen Curtis Chapman's daughter-in-law, the wife oh, no of way. Will Chapman, drummer for Colony House. Um, gotta love Colony House. Gotta love Colony House. So so that's kind of that connection. Um, Regardless, the Chapmans are one of the most legit of all families in the Christian music industry. Uh, mm. I have nothing bad to say about their, that family. To to live through such a tragedy that they lived through, and mm-hmm. to come out with their heads held high, mm-hmm. it's you have to be legit to to be able to mm-hmm. survive that. Um, For sure. And so, uh, anyway, bring you home. Fantastic song. They also have, uh, they've got a really good lament on there as well. Um, and then the other, the third song is also, there's all three. They're just fantastic songs. Were you a pioneer this year? I was a pioneer. I, uh, listened to Daedalus and Icarus before it hit 50,000 streams, which is on a a very good album by, uh, Christopher Tin. He writes a lot of, um, a little bit more on the classical type side, but writes a lot of uh, music for games and things like this. This was off of uh, a really well put together album. Um, <laughs> I'm struggling to remember the name of it um, at the moment, but uh, it was it was very good. I will I will link to it in the show notes. Um, but uh, very uh, big fan. If you like sweeping epic. Uh, classical classically inspired uh there's it's really got it all uh singing um wonderful uh soaring strings and uh you know full orchestra all that so um it was yeah quite quite good nice Uh, so i i read through the percy jackson series this year oh nice okay yeah they talked about daedalus and icarus yeah uh, basically the whole album, what's really cool about it is it traces the story of humans, uh, and flight Thanks. and their relationship to flight. And so of course this one is a little bit earlier on in the album, but, um, it goes from like kind of staring up at the sky to, you know, today where we're yeah. flying to the moon. Okay, this is a complete aside. I'll probably cut it because it has nothing to do with anything. But I find it fascinating that there were people who were small children when the Wright brothers flew at Kitty Hawk that were still alive in 1969 when man walked on the moon. Yeah. 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 My grandma, you know? Yeah. Well, actually, she was not she was not born until um, a couple of years later, actually. Um, but, uh, she you know, she's, she's gone now. But, yeah. 
yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's insane. It, it blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to music. Um, so my top five so artists. Top artists. Top, yeah. My top five artists. Number one was Cardiphonia Music. Nice. Number two that's, was The Corner good. Room. Mm-hmm. Number three was My Soul Among Lions. Also, uh, they, they do a lot with psalms. Uh, they do a lot with uh, metrical psalms. Um, mm-hmm. Really good stuff. Number four, poor Bishop Hooper, uh, who is yeah. who is about a third of the way. Well, he is a third of the way through his Every Psalm Project. He just released track 50. He's going through nice. a three-year project of uh, writing all of the psalms one week. And uh, we will learn more about that in about a month or two because Very cool. they have agreed to come on the show. What? That's awesome. It is. And I'm pretty sure that's exactly what I texted you the other day. And you're like, what are you talking about? And then you read your emails and then what? you figured it out. Oh yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't seen all the email. It was a busy week at it work, was a man. Busy week. Yeah. <laughs> End of the year. I get it. Um, so my fifth top artist is an artist called Go Fish. Uh, I've heard of them. They are children's music. They have one album that has like a bunch of preschool churchy songs, and they have another album mm-hmm. that has a bunch of preschool non-churchy songs. Nice. They, they've got other albums as well, but those are the two albums that my kids really enjoyed. Like very cool. The ABCs and stuff like that. Like it's like it's like this <laughs> techno dance versions of like the ABCs. I mean, it's like. That's hilarious. And then they throw in like their own little creative elements to it as well. Like there's the little monkeys and like the doctor said, you know, I, I remember the exact line. My kids sing it all the time, but it's like, (laughs) I don't really care that you hurt yourself. It's, is is the, is the point. Um, Wow. Yeah. Um, That's mighty. Yeah. I don't remember the exact words. It's like, I, I don't, care that you hit your head on the floor i don't it's something along those lines but my kids think it's hilarious which is the whole point because (laughs) it's funny that well that yeah that is hilarious i will say that's yeah um our kids love songs like that too um i think that's one of the reasons they like songs like um everything's not awesome and all those i don't know it's just um yeah really funny to I uh, hear about that. Um, they, my, my kids are yeah, very much the same way. I might have to check them out. Um, I listened to 4,012 artists this year, uh, but number one uh, above it all was um, Crown and Covenant. Hmm. Believe it or not, Crown and Covenant. Uh, I was in their top 5% of listeners apparently. So, Well, they um, have a, a very hefty catalog. And so you could do. So you'd have to listen to their entire catalog quite a bit for any one of those songs to make it onto your top list. Yes. Um, well, and I, I did. I, I I do listen to them quite a bit. I I throw them in a lot of playlists and and whatnot. For those of you who don't know, uh, they are they they're they're the ones uh, who are singing uh, the Psalms, um, acapella, and in. Um, four part harmony really um, for a lot of it. And it, it's really nice. You know, they're uh, very good recordings and uh, it's, it's something very good to listen to. And it's the Trinity um, Psalter. I believe so. Yes. Like yeah. The, they the publish full, the full Trinity Psalter. Yeah. They publish it and they also uh, 
they they also have these recordings that have been made um, throughout the years. And, um, they continue to release them too. Like uh, I think a new one came out just this year. Hmm. But anyway, that's very good. But n- number two um, and number three are uh, very similar. Like there were, the, it's because of the same set of albums. Uh, the Suzuki uh, violin, my daughter is going through. I went through when I was a kid. Um, and now she is doing it. And so that there's a lot of emphasis on listening to the music. Uh, and so, uh, both, uh, Takato, um, Takako Nishizaki and Terrence Dennis, um, I, were part of that whole, you know, like they've recorded the songs. And yeah. so, uh, that's why those are <laughs> number two and three, but, uh, number four, actually, I'm very excited about this one. Ola, uh, Gigello, um, I don't know if you know who uh, this individual is, plays the piano, but also does a lot of choral work. Um, uh, there is a song, uh, Ubi Caritas, which is based on, you know, one of the mass songs. I know, I know, I'm not a Catholic, I promise you. But boy, it is a just a gorgeous song. And I cannot get enough of that. <laughs> uh, he also has an um, album out there called Night, uh, very, very good. Um, just lush vocals, but very... If you like Arvo Pert, who does a lot of choral work as well, you will like Ola Gigello. Gigello G-J-E-L-L-O. Um, I believe he's from a Nordic country, and so I am not pronouncing that lot right. But number five. Uh, is going to be a little bit more f- more familiar to our listeners, and that was the corner room. So, yeah. uh, I really love. You know, I uh, mentioned already. Uh, your number one was uh, Psalm one twenty one, mm-hmm. very good song. But then they also have uh, some of my favorite uh, songs that they've done are the based on First Corinthians thirteen, the the, mm-hmm. the love chapter, and. Um, they, they break it up into three movements and they have those both with vocals and also as instrumentals. And I like them both. Uh, and I listen to them both. Um, and those are very, very good. So that's all for me. All right. Well, that I think concludes, uh, our, uh, icebreaker, our, uh, the ice is broken. The as ice they say. is broken as some would say, and <laughs> if if you guys remember, uh, so our last episode we had our interview with Jim, and uh, yeah, really, Thank you, Jim. really enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Um, the episode before that was uh, kind of our beginning episode on praise, praise God from whom all blessings flow, and in that we um, we actually recorded that one like a week ahead of time. And so, and Grant was also kind of a little bit sick during that time. So he didn't remember a lot of it (laughs) other than just trying to sing the amen at the end, I think is about (laughs) all that he remembered, but um, it worked so well. It did. It worked. It worked so well. (laughs) So I want to go back and do just a little bit of a recap because it's been, it's been a little bit. So we were talking about the Psalm model and Mm -hmm. I'm just going to start at the beginning of the Psalm model. Does the song follow the model of acceptable worship found in the Psalms? We first talked about lament. Uh, does the song address God as God? 
bring a legitimate mm-hmm. grievance to God rooted in the consequences of sin and rest in the promises of God. And then after that, we talked about praise. Does the song exalt and or magnify the person, name, and or word of God for who he is, what he has done, and or what he will do through adoration, blessing, and or Thanksgiving. I'm going to read the psalm, uh, the, the the praise part again, um, just because mm-hmm. this is what we're piggybacking off of. Uh, does the song exalt and or magnify, which is to either to lift high or to make great uh, the person, the name and or the word of God? That's you know the who God is. You know the, the actual person of God his name, which is a representative of God, or the word, which is what he has given to us, his revelation um, for who he is, meaning his attributes, what he has done, uh, his his works of providence and creation, and or what mm-hmm. he will do in the fulfilling of his prophecy. That is kind of, in a nutshell, what we talked about two episodes ago, episode 23. In this episode, we're going to talk about through adoration, blessing, and or thanksgiving. Um, and so this the episode, Oh, Come Let Us Adore Him, it, we, we tried to get this episode pretty close to Thanksgiving. We didn't quite make it. So let's focus on adoration uh, okay. as, as kind of our, our, our key here. And, and I think that really thinking about adoration as um, the, the main way that we praise God um, I think is is really helpful as we'll get through this blessing and Thanksgiving are both just words that I picked up on after reading through the Psalter quite a bit. Um, bless the Lord, O my soul, and then give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Those are two very common themes. I think all of this, all, all three of these adoration, blessing and Thanksgiving are truly about the same. They're about the same thing. And, and we'll, We'll kind of talk about that through the, the through the three lenses, if you will, of of adoration, blessing, and thanksgiving. So the the first of those three lenses uh, is adoration, and uh, and first I just wanted to say it's not a Bible word. Uh, adoration is not found in the Bible, but you know neither is Trinity, uh, neither is omnipotence or omnipresence. These are Ideas. These are words to help us understand ideas that are in the Bible, even though the words themselves are not. And uh, and so I've uh, I've been challenged on the word adoration before because it's not in the Bible. But I really believe it's the best word uh, to describe what I'm talking about. And and I think the hymn "O Come, Let Us Adore Him" uh, gives a lot of credence to that. But I also want to appeal to some of the church fathers, and uh, in the Westlands, uh, the Westminster uh, Larger Catechism, uh, question one hundred four, it asks about the first commandment and uh, and how we are to follow the first commandment, and it gives a very long list of of words used in and uh, how we can uh, obey the first commandment, and adore is among those words. Um, and uh, the Westminster Divines reference Isaiah uh, forty five twenty three. Uh, do you have that pulled up, by the way? 
I do. It's about every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, essentially. Okay. But it says, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Uh, so there we see um, kind of, this is in Isaiah 45. Mm -hmm. So God called uh, Cyrus, you know, kind of to uh, protect the church sort of thing. But yeah, and God is just, look, everybody's going to adore, you know, the, it, he will be adored. And that's why I think that, why little old me thinks that they might have put it in there because um, it is. It's one of the duties that we have towards God because he is God. He is the Lord our God, um, you know, um, and uh, there shall be no other gods beside him. You know, we are to adore him and him only. Uh, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. And, and I think probably the way that the Westminster divines would would see this just thinking about language and the time frame and things uh the every tongue confess is probably what they would be referring to uh when talking about adoring um mm -hmm. you know today and this is a, a modern definition of the word adore it means to love and respect someone deeply like he adored his mother he loved his mother he respected his mother deeply uh informal uh you can adore mexican cuisine um but it also, the second definition, uh, if, if you Google this word, it's to worship or to venerate. He adored the sacred host, is what it says. But I think when you look at the origin of the Latin word, um, mm -hmm. ad, the AD would be like to or of. Um, mm -hmm. If you think of uh, like adhere, if uh, to adhere would be to stick to. So it's mm -hmm. not like the infinitive to, but the uh, the object to, uh, to stick okay. to something. Uh, and okay. then um, or would be like um, orate to is speaking. So uh, add or uh, to adore would be to speak of or to speak to. So every tongue confess would sure. be that kind of in its most pure form. That's what adore to adore would be to speak to in a very um, respectful, a very uh, venerative, I don't know if that's a word, um, way. Um, and it says, like in the late Middle English, uh, via the Old French from the Latin, it, it was translated to worship or to, uh, or to speak or to pray even. And yeah, uh, ora uh, is to pray in in Spanish. So you, you see that preserved even mm -hmm. even today in in Latin based languages. And so in the 1800s, this word was used quite a bit. In the 1950s to the 2000s, it kind of died out, but it has uh, picked up a little bit uh, over the, the last um, decade or so. Uh, so I think hopefully that's not completely all totes adorbs. And honestly, it might be Toads of Dorbs, oh, which okay. is, well, <laughs> you know, I, and, and, that, and I think the word adorable is probably its most common form now, which you think of like, it's very baby-like if a baby is mm. adorable. And I think that the root in that is, oh, come let us adore him, uh, which is to come and see the Christ child. Um, mm -hmm. So I, that's just kind of. 
a history of the word uh, adore. It's not a Bible word, but that is where it comes from. Um, but you know, we 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 use it in church. It is a sacred word. Uh, adoration, especially in that form, you don't think adoration as to uh, to go and make cute baby faces. Um, <laughs> you know, that's no. We, we don't associate the word adoration with adorable. Like even though it's the same word. We don't make that association. Uh, adoration is a very churchy word. It's a very sacred word. Um, but I wanted to talk about what it is not. Uh, it is not the same as devotion. Okay. Uh, and uh, so as I put adoration differs from devotion in that there is a genuine joy and enjoyment being expressed through adoration that is not driven by duty, whereas devotion would be driven by duty. Uh, if I'm devoted to something, then I it's, it's part of my cause. It's part of my mission. I am devoted to finishing this task. Whereas mm-hmm. adoration, there is, there's a joy, you know, there's, there's a, there's something very uplifting about it. You're doing it, um, because you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say that adoration also differs from most definitions of love, both modern and um, traditional definitions of the word love, in -hmm. that it is purely one-sided, where the adorer gives the adoration while receiving the enjoyment from the pure satisfaction of the desire to adore. Um, I had to write that out because that was a very almost convoluted way of saying it. Uh, But to reiterate, um, when I go and I adore something, I am getting Mm -hmm. an enjoyment out of the act of adoration. Mm -hmm. Whatever is the focus of the adoration doesn't have to do a dang thing. Um, I am just adoring that. And in my action of adoring it, I am getting the enjoyment. So it is, it is completely one sided. Whereas love for, for genuine love to flourish, it must be two-sided. Um, I can't just love you and be fine with you not loving me back. That mm-hmm. will only lead to heartbreak. Um, and so in an oversimplification, uh, to adore is to glorify the subject of adoration while mm-hmm. also enjoying the subject of adoration. So if I am going to truly adore something, I am going to bring it glory and enjoy it all from a one-sided, uh, from a one-sided place. And if that sounds familiar, that would be the Westminster Shorter uh, Catechism question one. What is man's chief end? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Um, in an oversimplification, I think adoration really captures uh, what the Westminster divines were getting at with that, which again is to obey the first commandment, uh, would, would really heavily fall into, into that. What is man's chief end, you know, to obey the first commandment and in doing so glorify God, but also enjoy him forever. And adoration falls into that. Gotcha. Okay. So would you say that, Adoration then is what we're doing, uh, like towards God in worship. Then, yes, I, w- I would, I would, I would say okay. so. Most generally speaking, uh, adoration I would say is a very general word, whereas blessing and thanksgiving are very specific words. Um, 
and uh, and so praise in and of itself is an even broader word. Um, we are to bring praise to God, and one way to do that is through adoration, um, which would be that you know bringing Him glory, the glor the glorification of of God, but also uh, through a general sense of of enjoyment. Whereas lament, on the other hand, I am still bringing that glorification to God, but I'm not necessarily enjoying it. I'm doing it despite being in a place that I'm not really enjoying. Um, most of the, the Psalms and a lot of the praise in the, in the Psalms is rooted in this idea of, you know, God is the, he is the giver of all good things. And so when I realize that God is a giver of all good things, then I can really find enjoyment in God because he's given me everything that's good. Um, and so, again, that's a very simple way of, of looking at it. But um, yeah, I think that one thing that's very interesting is uh, in today's language, we have mm -hmm. kind of we've gotten away from this idea of sacred language. We want everything to be common. We want to speak to God in common language because mm -hmm. because the general population isn't going to understand the sacred language. Which, if you're right, if you're choosing common language instead of sacred language to talk to God, who is your audience really? Is God your mm -hmm. audience, or is the average person your audience? Um, so if the average person is your audience and who are you really praising, you know, who are you really seeking to please? Uh, and as a result of this idea of, and this all goes back to episode one, there's no such thing as popular Christian music, uh, because Christianity by, uh, by nature is not popular. Mm -hmm. And so if we are trying to come up with a way to explain this idea of adoration, but using this common language, we're going to come up with phrases like I'm falling even more in love with you, mm -hmm. um, which was actually a song by Lifehouse, which was a crossover song. He was talking about God in that song, but because it was so vague, it made its way very easily into the secular radio. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of songs uh, that, that have that language. I'm falling more in love with you. I'm so in love with you, God, which is a very Jesus is my boyfriend, but mm -hmm. it's common language that the average person can understand. And we have made this association that when I'm saying I'm falling in love with God, I'm not saying he's my boyfriend. I'm saying that I am adoring him uh, mm. because, you know, after all, if I adore, if I can adore Mexican cuisine, then I can use language uh, like falling in love with God. And the, the answer is no, we, we can't because we, we're, con, we're misconstruing the whole relationship mm -hmm. because love is different than adoration. I don't, I, I don't love God, uh, necessarily, uh, in a, in a, I don't love God in a, in a romantic way. I do love God because mm -hmm. he loved me first. Uh, that's scripture. Mm -hmm. And I can't mm -hmm. love God unless he has loved me, but mm -hmm. I don't have a relationship with God in the same way where I have to work on it. He loves me unconditionally. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter what I do. He still loves me. Mm -hmm. I don't have to work 
to earn his love. Like I do even with, you know, my closest earthly relationships, I can mess up my relationships with even my closest family and friends, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. through sin very easily. And, uh, and so we don't need to talk about love in a very romantic, earthly, common way with God. It's why in the Greek there were more than one way to say the word love. Uh, and agape and phileo were two very different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need, to ha- we need, our songs today need to have sacred language in them because it means something else. And if we're worried that the hearers of our music aren't going to understand it, then we're really more concerned with people than we are with God. I wasn't uh, planning on going into all that. That was all off the cuff. You are welcome. Hey, that's the kind of uh, extra free advice we give here on the Balm and Gilead podcast. Anyway, uh, back to adoration. Back to, oh, come all you faithful. Uh, I, I want to take a look at, uh, at Luke 2 and see the account of the angels. And so, oh, come all you faithful. Uh is a story about, I mean, it really is about the, the shepherds hearing the angels and going and visiting the Christ child. The song itself is kind of in reverse chronological order. Um, if you think of verse three, it's the sing choirs of angels. Um, verse two mm-hmm. is, um, is really about greeting the child. And then verse one calls the rest of the faithful to come and behold. Um, and so if you think about the song in reverse chronological order, uh, I'm going to start in verse 15 of Luke 2. It says, okay. uh, and this is after the angels. So when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Uh, But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Nice. And so uh, I think the key verses are verses 17 and 20. Uh, They spoke and they gave a verbal account of what the angels told them. And then they Mm -hmm. openly praised God as they returned back to the field. They spoke of Jesus, they they adored Jesus as they spoke of him. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So Mm -hmm. So they were speaking of the child, but they were speaking in a very excited, very enjoyed, you know, they, they were over overwhelmed. They were flabbergasted even is one translation, um, you know, of, of, of all that was going on. And, uh, and this adoration, it was their heart's response to the truth. And the proof was the outpouring of the praise and glory in speech. So much of the Psalter can be seen as the outpouring of praise and glory in speech. And this is what I am personally referring to when I say adoration. So to adore God, uh, that lens of praising God through adoration, is this proof of the, the heart's you know, overwhelming response to the truth uh, through speech. Very nice. Yeah. 
So adoration is one-sided. You know, we worship God. Uh, it's a response to the truth. Uh, so, for instance, um, in a lot of uh, services, you'll see like the the call to worship, and then there's a response to that, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a response to uh, the um, after the confession of sin and the uh, assurance of pardon. There is a a response to that, um, and when we hear these kinds of truth um, throughout the the worship service, um, we respond with this adoration. That's correct. And um, we can see a lot of examples yes. in the Psalter. Everyone but Psalm eighty-eight. Yeah, uh, is what you were saying. Okay, yeah. cool. And uh, and also, adoration is a Newsboys album. Yes, it is a Newsboys album. It's not one I actually have, but yeah, uh, it is it is one. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, so moving on, uh, I want blessing and thanksgiving. We'll probably go through a little bit more quickly. Um, adoration was a big kind of theoretical kind of getting into the the mumbo and the jumbo and also into the rabbit trail. Um, so getting into blessing, uh, this was a theme that I saw over and over and over again. And so I wanted to talk about it. I did find a really good article on desiring God. I actually Googled, um, you know, what does it mean to bless God? And I found a desiring God article titled, what does it mean to bless God? So well, that's convenient. Providential. <laughs> uh, and so this was written in 1978. And, uh, and so John Piper, he, he offered three distinct answers to that question. Uh, the first was to announce received blessing from God. Number two was to thank God for his blessing, also known as Thanksgiving, um, which we'll get onto in a little bit. And the third is to declare that God is perfectly blessed. So I'm going to spend time on that first and that third, you know, to announce the received blessing from God and to declare that God is perfectly blessed. Um, so I wanted to say that John Piper is not arguing for three different types of instances of blessing God, but rather three okay. possible things at play each time we bless God. Um, oh, okay. And so ultimately each instance shows a heart that desires to give back to God, even while acknowledging that everything we have to begin with comes from God. And therefore we cannot give him anything he does not already have. Therefore to desire uh, with the inability to bless God, uh, it's a declaration that, that he is already perfectly blessed on his own. Um, through a very quick search of bless the Lord in my Bible app, I discovered that nearly every instance of blessing the Lord in books one through four accompanied, uh, was accompanied with because he has given me X. Um, okay. So, you know, Bless the Lord because he has done great things because he has given me this because he has helped me with this, but nearly every instance in book five and actually at the end of book four really starts with Psalm 103. Um, it's a call to bless the Lord. Uh, and it's intermingled with a declaration of what it means to be blessed by God. And so blessed is the man who dot, 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 um, 
So Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. So um, so it's kind of this this idea of um, this, this calling to bless the Lord and even declaring those who bless the Lord to be blessed. Um, but ultimately, all of this comes from a heart of gratitude and thankfulness for the blessing. So blessing and thanksgiving are really, really intermingled with one another. Uh, I, I kind of like that idea. You know, if I declared that the Lord is blessed, it, it sounds the same as if I am trying to bless the Lord. So if I say bless the Lord, it, it might mean blessed be the Lord or blessed is the Lord because the Lord is ultimately blessed because he has everything and he lacks for nothing. Sure. Yeah, that's important to keep in mind. So uh, I'm going to hand the mic over to you. I'm actually, you have your own mic, but I'm going to. Yeah, we, we're not sharing. Yeah, Just we, as David and Jim sit in different saddles, we have different mics. We do. You know what I'm thankful for, Brian? I'm thankful for you. Thank you. Um, I, think, I think you're thinking of me. I, I don't sing songs of thankfulness to you. Thank you. Instead, I sing th- songs of thankfulness to God uh, for giving me uh, so many great things, like great friends like you. And uh, so I wanted to start out talking about Thanksgiving with this relationship between uh, Thanksgiving and lament. Thanksgiving, lament, and praise. So uh, kind of like what we're talking about t- today, the types of praise like adoration, things like that. There, there, there's a link between them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, uh, this is not my own idea, of course, but some things I've been reading are uh, it, the Thanksgiving sits at sort of the cross between these uh, these two ideas of lament to praise. So think of it like this. Uh, Thanksgiving Psalms, a lot of times, may start out in a lament, but then God comes and rescues the psalmist from whatever it is. And the psalmist then bursts forth in thanksgiving to God for rescuing him from whatever the lament was about, which gives forth into just more and more praise. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's this uh, book that I've read that has really helped me understand how to read the psalms. It's called How to Read the Psalms. Uh, yeah, by Trumper Longman the third, and we've uh, mentioned him before, but I, I just find the book so useful. Uh, and he he had this to say about Thanksgiving Psalms. He said the Thanksgiving Psalm is a response to answered lament. In addition, there is a close connection between hymns and Thanksgivings. The relationship is so close, in fact, that Westerman, uh, careful of those Germans has argued well that thanksgiving is really a subcategory of praise. A thanksgiving psalm is praise to God for answered prayer. So, in some sense, a thanksgiving is a type of praise. And I think, you know, that's what we're, we're saying here, right? The thanksgiving is a type of praise. Uh, adoration is a type of praise. And this, this blessing is types of these uh, larger category of praise-type psalms. So, some of the characteristics, you know, like what makes a Thanksgiving psalm a Thanksgiving psalm? Uh, what makes uh, Thanksgiving Thanksgiving, right? Well, again, a lot of times they start out like either a hymn 
or a praise psalm um, or a lament or something like that. So Psalm 34, 1, which says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So it starts out as, as kind of this, this psalm. What are we praising God for? Well, we're thanking him for uh, a particular characteristic, um, something that he has done, uh, something that he has given, some act of providence. Um, others begin with a blessing, uh, like we were talking about earlier, like Psalm 32 is a psalm of blessing, and it starts out, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, we just covered this particular psalm uh, as our church is running through the life of David right now, and came across this in relationship to uh, David's sin with Beth- Bathsheba, which is, uh, and here we see the the pastor was saying that this is one of those psalms, in addition to like 51, that was uh, perhaps written during this time in David's David's life. So, what it's it's expressing like Psalm one, blessed is he um, who uh, is walking in the ways of the Lord. While here in Psalm thirty two, it's blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Uh, so it's. Again, uh, that thankfulness is coming from uh, what God has done um, in removing this sin. Um, and then uh, chapter, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, Psalm 30, if you're interested, uh, Trumper Longman does uh, examine Psalm 30 in de- some, some amount of detail in, in uh, chapter 11 of that book, How to Read the Psalms. And it's, a, it's a good one. So next the psalmist kind of thanks God for what he has done in his life. Uh, the psalmist may also encourage the congregation to praise God as well, giving thanks. Um, so Psalm 30 verse 4 is an example of that, where the psalmist says, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. So there we are to remember God's holiness, and it's uh, you, you see in there uh, calling the congregation to uh, thanksgiving, where uh, it, it says, Sing unto the Lord, who? O ye saints of his. So all, all ye saints out there, uh, give thanks. Uh, what? The remembrance of, uh, of his holiness. So it gives you both the who should be praising and uh, thanking God, and then um, the uh, thanking God for what specifically in, in that case. Now, earlier we were talking about like lament, right, being one of the reasons that a Thanksgiving kind of a lament will often turn into a Thanksgiving um, as God saves him. So uh, sometimes the the Thanksgiving is as a restatement of the lament, right, and God's saving work. And so Psalm 18 is a fantastic example of that, um, which is very long. It is very long. But uh, we've read it before. If you want, go back to episode 18. 18. That's how that's how we roll here at the Balm and Gilead podcast. Yeah, we, we split that uh, one up. He read half, I read half because it was long. Did, did we really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah we, Man. yeah, we must have caught up at a different one then. But uh, you can go back and, 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 and listen to that one and those two. Uh, or you can just get a relight and just read it. We'll link it in the show notes. Uh, but it's a restatement of the lament, 
uh, with the account of God's salvation. Um, and that's one of those distinguishing factors of uh, a Thanksgiving psalm. So not only do we see this pattern in the psalms of Thanksgiving um, after lament or Thanksgiving as a form of praise, uh, Thanksgiving where we're encouraging others also to um, give Thanksgiving. But one of the things that uh, I, I find really interesting is that that giving thanks really is distinctly Christian. And uh, at first when I read this, I wasn't sure too sure what you what you were thinking of. But think about the proverbial man on the street, right? If you ask somebody uh, on the street, like, what is a Christian? You know, well, it would probably be something like, oh, you know, they believe in God and, um, you know, things just general, general kind of beliefs like that. Yet Paul tells us in Romans 1 verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So, they actually do know God. Everybody knows God, uh, even if they, you know, don't acknowledge that. Uh, but everybody does know God somehow. But what's the difference? The difference is that the uh, the the non-Christian does not thank God. It says that they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. Um, and so, a major part of what sets these Christian, what sets Christians apart from non-Christians, is is this giving thanks to God. So John Calvin also talks about Thanksgiving as this key component of worship, in addition to praise. Uh, and he wrote about this in the necessity of reforming the church. It's uh, kind of at the front. I'm, I'm sure it's available for free somewhere, but. Um, there's this quote that I want to read that, that helps us understand that. And it says, let us now see what is meant by the due worship of God. Hey, good. Um, I'm interested. You know, what is, what, what are we to understand by worship of God? Okay. It's chief foundation is to acknowledge him to be as he is the only source of all virtue, justice, holiness, wisdom, truth, power, goodness, mercy, life, and salvation. In accordance with this, to ascribe and render to him the glory of all that is good, to seek all things in him alone, and in every want have recourse to him alone. Hence arises prayer, hence praise, and thanksgiving. These being attestations to the glory which we attribute to him. This is that genuine sanctification of his name, which he requires of us above all things. So there we see that in our worship of God, we are to give thanksgiving, right? And it is a natural kind of outpouring of true worship. Uh, when we're acknowledging God as the source of everything of virtue, justice, holiness, wisdom, truth, power, goodness, mercy, life, and salvation. When we're doing that, Thanksgiving is naturally going to pour out of us. Uh, and so um, I guess what I'd encourage everybody to, to think about, um, maybe the next time you're in church or whatever, is as you worship, 
how is that turning into Thanksgiving? Um, and how can our music help um, the congregation really turn to uh, Thanksgiving? Um, anyway, so I thought that was a, a good quote by is a good quote. Jean. I thought you were going to read like the, the third volume of the Institutes. That was his brief. Was it? His brief writing. No, I think he's. Oh, wait, uh, are you ta- is that the um, a little book on the Christian life? It's funny. We were we've just been talking about this. I read that book this year. Uh, where um, is that the? I was just is, referring is that book to, three of the Institutes. I don't know. I think he just mentioned something in like the beginning of the Institutes that it was uh, it was like a brief summary of the Christian religion or something like that, and it's like this massive takes up an entire shelf of. <laughs> of anyone's library. But, well, I, I will Calvin, say it was it was just the brief, just a brief, brief little, writing. just a brief little thing. Well, uh, th- I mean that's why we read, or uh, why it's a good idea to read ancient, or well, if he's not that ancient, but older literature. Um, and in fact, like that's join me, won't you, in twenty twenty one? I want to read a good chunk of that. The Institutes. Um, I think every year we'll see how far five I get, years but... I've said, I really want to read the Institutes. Uh, I'm I'm going to do it. <laughs> or at least a good portion of it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, join me, won't you? Uh, as we journey together. I'll think about it. Ah, all right. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll talk uh, about our book list another time. Um, so as we as we ponder the things that have been said, I just want to say, uh, O come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. There is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded hold. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Never feel discouraged. Jesus is your for listening to the Balm and Gilead podcast. We love hearing from you, so email us at thereis at balmcast.com. We are a part of the Tech Reformation family of podcasts, and you can discuss our show and much more at slack.techreformation.com. We'll see you there. If you enjoyed the Balm and Gilead podcast, please encourage others to listen. We value your feedback So rate, review, and recommend the show in your podcast app of choice. And with that, we'll see you next time on 
the Balm in Gilead podcast. And that was a football um, reference, right? What's football, uh, Brian? Because um, the only football I know is uh, played with a round ball and it has black and white spots on it. Is that you virtually virtue signal? I'm just teasing. Um, what did I say that made that a um, first that, down and four? I uh, don't know. What did I say? <laughs> uh, they were calling all the saints to. Uh... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Man, I am not quick at all tonight. Uh, go Chiefs. 